0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. My name is Dr. Michael David Clay. There are probably as many relationships out there as there are people. Uh, Every individual, it is said, is unique and different. I don't disagree. Uh, And thus, as they come together in relationship one into another... Uh, Probably the number of potentially different relationships, as there are individuals, is infinite. Uh, However, some fall into categories uh, with some sort of similarity that uh, can then be sort of differentiated, distinguished, one from another. (laughs) For instance... uh, An employer and an employee. (laughs) Most of us have uh, at some point in our life worked for someone. Uh, Doesn't mean that it's always been maybe in more employer-employee sort of terms. Uh, (laughs) We we all have at some point had to report to somebody. Uh, Somebody told us what to do. Somebody told us how to do it. They were in that position of authority and we had to then do it the way that they'd ask us to, uh, according to a certain standard or expectation. Uh, does not necessarily mean one's better than the other, it just means one in a, is in a different position than the other. And probably with that, again, that notion of authority um, is the distinction. They were put in a position, something needed to be done. If you were the one working for them, you were in a position to do that work for them. Uh, You needed something that either came from that exchange, that relationship. Uh, Maybe it's just out of the gratitude of your heart you did something for somebody. Uh, Hopefully they didn't abuse that relationship. They treated you with respect. But everybody understands that not everybody can be in charge of everything. Uh, We don't all get to be CEOs all the time, chief executive officers. Uh, We don't all get to be the one that tells somebody else what to do all the time. Uh, And with that, there's probably going to be all the time somebody who's going to tell us what to do. It just goes with nature, life there is an order to it we thank god that there's an order to it otherwise it would be all chaos if everybody were in charge because what that would mean is everybody couldn't get everything they want if everyone was in charge why because what i want is for me and what you want is for you and and with that there may or may not be opportunities for exchange uh, I guess there could be, as much as there's infinite potential for how relationships, or as as individuals come together in relationships, uh, what dimensions, what uh, appearance, what uh, dynamics uh, would define the relationship. Uh, usually it's got something to do with need. Physical need, material need, could be spiritual need. Uh, I, <laughs> I think as Christians, though, we've We've probably, if we are a Christian, we've already understood that that's not something we look to other people first for. We can share, certainly, what God has given us. That's the first place we should look, the first and primary relationship. Out of that, we can share spiritually with others. But most of what relationships in a natural regard, material regard, come down to is a need. But there could be just luck. (laughs) Randomly so. At any particular moment, people cross paths and one would need this and the other would need that and one would be willing to give this and the other would be willing to give that and some element of reciprocity is established and so on and so forth. But for the most part, though, relationships do incline themselves to be according to definitions. And most of the ones that endure over a long period of time that aren't just a matter of randomness or luck, being in a particular place at a particular time and crossing paths, most of the relationships that we have that endure have some element of contract or agreement. Now again, as with employer-employee, that relationship always implies... If you're the employee, the employer always tells you what to do. Um, However, again, there's much to be said about mutual respect, and there's also opportunities for promotion. Um, People can get raises. They can be through diligence and in their work ethic and their ability to serve the employer. They can find themselves elevated to a position of responsibility above where they began. And usually when that happens, the employer has to go out and find somebody to take their place. Uh, That comes in at the bottom. That's just the way it is. In natural regards, there's always a hierarchy. Uh, You can't undo that. That's just, once more, the order that God has ascribed to natural life. Animals follow it. Humans, as animal, follows it. Uh, Plants follow it. Uh, It's dictated certainly by, again, resource, uh, what all need. Uh, And if you can't make the necessary adjustments, which in context of today's conversation on the podcast might just be accept your position in the order of things, you're probably going to have trouble. And it gets me back to what I was saying a moment ago. Not everybody can be at the top. Not everybody can be in charge. Not everybody is going to get what they want all the time. Exchange is the, again, foundational dynamic probably to not only life, but all relationships in a natural regard. We all have needs. There is no moment or time that we can meet all of those needs. Being in relationship with others assists us sometimes to be adaptive, to meet the needs. Not only my needs, your needs, but it's somewhat of a cooperative venture. Another one of those categories of relationships that's usually defined in some sort of specific way, not sure I said it a moment ago, but typically there is some sort of either overt, obvious contractual arrangement, or at least there is some sort of, goes without saying, agreement that is an unspoken sort of contract. We're going to do it this way. We may modify and change it again. You might get a promotion. Uh, I might be demoted. There may be a time when I'm in whatever gifting and talent I have might be the best to give direction or guidance to the accomplishment of a particular end that brings something great to us all. Maybe at times you're that person. It has to be, I think, always has to be somewhat fluid and with that, you can always leave the relationship. Not all contracts, not all relationships, and certainly, as with the random we mentioned earlier, the luck, uh, there's really no contract. There's no promise with even, within even the scope of contracts. There's some that are very restrictive. Uh, there's things called no compete clauses where you are not supposed to go outside of that relationship and should you leave then there's typically a penalty or part of and or part of that might be the penalty might be that you can't have a contract to do the same thing with someone else for a specified period of time i say it could be a penalty it's prohibitive obviously could be a penalty in the sense that that might be the thing that you need to do. Negotiating. When you get to the point of some sort of implied uh, or overt contract, negotiations are everything. They say, negotiate it on the front end. That way there will be no disappointments along the way. Everyone knows their expectations. Everyone knows what's uh, goes into the contract uh, legally so there's going to be also possibility of not only penalties but where there's penalties there's judgment if you break the contract then there's going to be in judgment of your breaking that contract even so the spirit of that contract if not the specific covenant of that contract there's going to be a cost once more it may be no compete i've even had contracts offered to me which by the way i did not accept where i had to pay back if i broke the contract um i don't like those (laughs) i would prefer my word to be the foundation of an agreement i understand i have to enter into those contracts But it does seem like if we are understanding of the nature of relationship in general, particularly that there are even with categories of relationships, some that are more significant than others, some might be just random, occasional, maybe even with no other thought than in an impulse, some sort of momentary result some might be as with again employer employee something that has to do with your livelihood something again that you need a lot food money to buy necessities food provide a shelter any of the other things that are essential health care those are things that are essential to life a good life Healthy life is a good life. But then there are those relationships more even than an employer-employee relationship that really captures covenants that are intentioned to define the relationship without any means of escape. (laughs) That's a bad word. Because if you're going to enter into a relationship, if negotiation is everything, and if you're supposed to, common knowledge would say, wisdom would say, negotiate it on the front end, not the back end, then don't enter into a relationship you can't walk away from, unless you're going to follow through with it. Now, the good news is, nothing in the material world is worth that. You should not sell your soul for anything that is primarily to do with the material world. It's not, again, that life isn't important or that there aren't needs, physical needs, primary drives is what they're called, that have to be met and fulfilled. And I've not mentioned it yet. But love is a primary drive. We are social creatures. Even so, love has different dimensions. It can include a lot of the material dimensions in love. That's called charity. Uh, But true love, perfect love, it's a spiritual thing. (laughs) Correct? I say that to, again, just emphasize the point. Correct? It's a spiritual thing. But anything that's lesser... And even some of the spiritual things, which I would put in a category of the greater, the more important, you don't, you shouldn't, you don't have to, you shouldn't commit in such a way that you can't walk away from. Now, when you mix the spiritual and particularly the divine aspects of love, as in, a covenant that isn't in material physical dimension, foundationally based, one that even more so then is in the category of the spiritual, as with, okay, now it's not only between you and this other person who does have material dimensions, who again, according to love, is going to meet certain material needs or assist you in meeting certain material needs, but more so even love measured not only material needs, but love measured spiritual needs. It's going to take on the dimension of interfering with or having connection to, with the potential thus, to interfere with your relationship with God. Why? Because as we somewhat alluded to earlier on, true freedom and liberty only comes from one's relationship with God. The paradox in that is, if it were to be anything else material, it's not going to be liberating. It's not going to represent true independence and freedom. Why? Because the risk is to place that relationship, the material relationship, above the godly relationship and allow it to, as I mentioned a moment ago, interfere Come between us and God. Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the triune, the Trinity God. So we shouldn't let that happen. You should never enter into a covenant, a promise, that therein establishes such restriction that you could not walk away from it. But when it does include thus saith the Lord by the word of God with that type of level of promise you can't walk away from it. Now there's going to come along things in life through life because we are material creatures that's going to compromise that. It's not going to always be perfect in material dimension. Husbands and wives, marital relationship don't always get along. In that way, <laughs> the marital relationship is, in my opinion, I believe it's not only mine, I believe it's word. The highest order of any material relationship, human relationship on earth. You enter into it by thus saith the Lord, in the name of the Lord, by agreement with God, and in such you are bound to it. Now, if one chooses to depart, as with the Word, the Apostle Paul, in 1 Corinthians 7, says you can. But he also says in 1 Corinthians 7, that you shouldn't enter into a relationship with someone making a promise in the name of Jesus By the power and authority of the Holy Spirit, thus saith the Lord in the name of God with the covenants of the Old and New Testament backing all of that up, which is otherwise the expressed promises of God in His, I hate to call it this, but for the sake of our conversation today, what we've been calling contractual relationship with Him, if you use that, employ, employ, it's okay to say that, that in your marital relationship, you do that before God and all other witnesses, then you are bound to that promise that you've made to God, or at least you've bound that relationship to the relationship you have with God. You can't take it away. You can't back out of it. You can't walk away from it. So, when the Apostle Paul says, this is supposed to be really important, as any good contract would be, as any covenant relationship would be, obvious or implied, uh, in this way, it is just as, legally binding at least still it seems although it's been horribly compromised over the years in a a natural regard as it is entirely and totally binding in a spiritual regard for when you marry the two become one so the apostle paul says that's also with word the apostle paul says now for those who are married, I have a command, not just a suggestion. And it is not a command from me, for this is what the Lord himself has said. A wife must not leave her husband. But if she is separated from him, let her remain single or else go back to him. And the husband must not divorce his wife. Now, if this were entirely legal or within a legal context, and if we were doing this as with determining the foundational basis, the covenants of the relationship, and for whatever reason, because it is legal, there's some question that has come up as to whether or not one has to stay has to remain committed, we'd point this out with specific paragraph and section and subsection and so on and so forth. So because we're being so specific in today's podcast, I want to say legalistic about this, we do want to, I want to point out that this is 1 Corinthians 7, Verse 10. Now you can go read it for yourself. It is from the Word of God. 1 Corinthians would be in the New Testament. It is written by the Apostle Paul. It is an epistle written to the church at Corinth, who was otherwise having some questions as to what it meant to be married. Now, was The church at Corinth, Jewish, not that it did not have Jewish participants or members, possibly those who lived there, and certainly the Apostle Paul was Jewish. He was Sadducee among Pharisee among Pharisees, and with that, what that meant, what the Bible means, is that he was a leader of the Jewish people. And not only a leader, but a judge of Jewish law. And being a judge of Jewish law that took that responsibility with utmost integrity, the Apostle Paul knew the law. (laughs) He knew it backward and forward. He knew every in, every out, every jot, every tittle, as a King James would have described it. By the way, I read from the Living Bible, if only because I thought it might read more clearly even than the King James. Though I enjoy the King James, many people are not familiar with the King James, and the language might be a little difficult to translate entirely, the phraseology. But getting back to the point, (laughs) the Hebrew people, and particularly the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, had a relationship with God first and foremost. So much so, he was, as they might say, um, highly motivated to know the word, as much Old Testament word as eventually he would become, in a constructionist sort of way, author of the New Testament. But if anyone could speak to anything about relationship amongst those that were not Jewish, who had not received the word of God, The basic premise of all relationships, starting with the least and, I guess, advancing, elevating to the greatest, it would be the Apostle Paul. But even as he was speaking to the church at Corinth, the greater of all relationships, again, being marriage. You could not treat the marital relationship in the same context you did some sort of random happened to cross your path today or maybe uh, ships passing (laughs) in the middle of the night sort of relationship that otherwise defined anything lesser. And certainly as you move to the lesser, it is greater than no relationship, but it holds very few covenants. Again, we said it's immediate in terms of satisfaction and gratification. Those individuals who partake or engage in that, particularly indiscriminately so, without regard for the consequences, either don't know the consequences, are ignorant, or in knowing the consequences, don't care anymore. They have moved from whatever might be the cost of violating the penalty associated with breaking a contract, even the lesser versions, for the sake of more than just immediate gratification, possibly even having known the unconditional agape love of God, as the Greeks might have called it. As with word Jesus Christ in fullness of the revelation of who God was, is, always will be. According to the Old and New Testament as definition of that covenant. As he is wanting and wanton of a relationship with his creation, humankind, as Christ demonstrated it, we're all in this together. Sorry, I had to say it. But if I didn't say it, you wouldn't recognize the absurdity, not of the concept, but as it falls out of the mouth of someone who understands nothing about the principles that back it up. Loving someone in an agape, God-based Thus saith the Lord, in the name of God, with everything in me by virtue of the, not only character of God, not only word of God, but in that living word of Jesus Christ from the same origin of the Holy Spirit who inspired both the word of God as well. Now, my manifestation of that as taking on that nature and character in my flesh The Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit is love. We should not break covenant if we are all in this together. But that's the point. We're not all in this together. And those that aren't, aren't going to abide by the covenants. They don't care. They have no mind of God or Jesus Christ. They do not have the Holy Spirit in control of their life. I'm not saying they're beyond salvation. Although the Word of God and also the Apostle Paul does say that there's a point where you can grieve the Holy Spirit sufficiently as to be turned over to what he called, King James, a reprobate mind. One where you have to go to the courts, go before the judge, the judges, and they have to tell you. Is this according to the covenant? Isn't it? Why? Because it's not in your heart to abide by the covenant." someone has to step in and say, wait a minute, we don't operate society this way. Wait a minute, you can't have everything you want. Wait a minute, everybody has to serve somebody sometime. Wait a minute, it can't be selfish in every pursuit and dimension. Actually, it has to be the opposite. Selfless. That, too, is paradoxical because if you enter into a covenant relationship with someone who does not know the covenants, don't expect to get anything in return. Does that mean that you should not example the love of God unto those that do not understand or appreciate the love of God? There's all kinds of words that are going through my mind that probably I shouldn't say. The word says, don't cast your pearls before swine. You can't believe, trust that they're going to abide in that if they don't know that. What you can do is still love them. But if you do, it's going to come with cost. Now, it's not going to cost you your freedom. Why? Because you're not bound materially to anything. What might be difficult, though, is walking away from something. We've described it earlier as those things of the world that can interfere with our relationship with God especially if what we're after is something for ourselves first and not entering into that covenant relationship expecting that we're not going to get everything we want that's the problem with the marital vow but if you say that in the name of the lord with all these things i've tried to point out that backs that up within the context of Old and New Testament, the perfect love of God as manifest in word, now living word, in Jesus Christ, get this, now us, Holy Spirit abiding within us. If we sear our conscience, if we don't listen to the Holy Spirit, if we reject the word, And I just have to say this, even for the lost, the Holy Spirit's still in them working that they would understand the basis of the covenant, which is really the basis of life because that's what the word of life is. The words of life, Peter, described it. Jesus, you alone have the words of life. It'll take care of the words of life. God, the Holy Spirit who inspired them, the Holy Spirit, and even those that are lost still takes care of the basic material needs. But that's not going to save you. Why? Because the material needs can't save you. Meeting them. Resolution. Finding life materially, again, the ultimate of paradoxes, will do nothing but kill you. If you're going to live, you must adapt. And to adapt means you have to grow and go beyond simply selfishness. If you enter into a marital relationship only wanting what you want for the sake of gratifying you... It's going to fail, and you're going to die. Not because the marital relationship is comparable or equal necessarily with your relationship with God, at least in approach of it, and probably for at least the majority, unfortunately, of human beings. The marital relationship is put in the category of maybe employer-employee, There may be penalties, there's going to be costs, but you still walk away from them. What people fail to realize, what Christians are held in highest measure to, standard to, however, is not the way the world looks at that, heathen included. Unfortunately, maybe even worse, unfortunately, again, maybe even worse than heathen, what the apostate Christian, one who calls themselves a Christian. Examples. We are held to the standard of love that God has shown unto us. If the Apostle Paul knew anything when he was speaking to the church at Corinth, he knew that God had married his people or the relationship between the Hebrew people and God was of the same caliber, the same degree, the same measure, not above even, that of your marital relationship. Now, it is above in some ways because even as you would divorce and even as you would walk away and even as you would break the covenant, there is going to obviously be penalty in a natural regard, but supernaturally where it counts the most in supernatural spiritual dimensions, God's going to forgive. But he's not going to be able to save you unless you can confess you were wrong in breaking the contract. You can't break contract the marriage contract as you entered into it with full awareness and knowledge, not only in your brain, which I'm appealing to today, common sense, reasoning, but more so the Holy Spirit. Now, you can disagree with me on everything, and maybe you do, but you can't disagree with me on this. As odd as it may sound, that the majority of individuals will in all heartbeat, because they're not winning, getting everything they want, walk away from a marriage. In the same sort of way, however, if you, in wanting something, go into a marriage... Thinking that you don't love the other person, why didn't you marry them in the first place? Which really just captures this point. The oddity, if I might call it that, is that most people marry out of a sincere love for the other person. It may be an immature love, it may be eros, again as the Greeks call it, only about meeting physical needs. But if you work at it, if you understand some of what I'm presenting today, if you're in the Word of God and in that understand the definitions of relationship in general, if you appreciate that when you've said you're going to love another person in that context of marriage, what goes into the essential foundational covenants of marriage, again, two come together as one, If you separate, half of you leaves. Hard to survive when something results in half of who you are leaving. And really, even so in material dimension, more so in spiritual dimension, all of you could be destroyed by that one act of betrayal. We think the betrayal of Jesus by Judas Iscariot is horrible, you do the same thing when you divorce your wife because you married her and vice versa, your husband because you married him with that intention in mind. I love you. But if you can't make it there, you've proven you haven't made it with God. Love, that is. All aspects. From the erotic... God, help me. I'm in trouble. I need, I need, I need. Take care of all my physical needs. And God does. Why? Because he is love. The author and finisher of all our courage to continue to pursue life. Not material life only, but spiritual life. But once you begin to realize that, you begin to want to understand God. I said that earlier. The apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus Was hungry for God. Maybe it was just to meet all the material needs. (laughs) After the experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus, all that changed. For the first time in Paul's life, the scales were removed. He saw not only Jesus as the Christ, whom before he had seen as the foil, the enemy, the interference. Jesus, you're going to mess this whole thing up. You're talking about giving, and it's all about reciprocity here. That's the next stage. If you get your physical needs met, you cozy up to God, you begin to understand or want to understand more about him, you begin to realize... The covenant, thus saith the Lord, is, if you do these things, I'll do these things. And surely that is Old Testament. That was there. The Apostle Paul had a reason to believe that and teach that and abide in that. But what he did, I think, I was going to say didn't, but I believe he had some, again with the Holy Spirit working in him, unction, discernment for was that it was not enough. Because in the end, despite all you do, even in the name of reciprocity, if you don't have love, you don't have life. And if you don't have life, the only thing that results is death. Now, the pathway to death can be even quicker. And there's certainly a lot of things in a material regard that will kill you suddenly. Suddenly. And it may indeed have absolutely, totally, positively nothing to do with what you did, at least imminently so, immediately so, prior to whatever it was that killed you. And in the end, we all die. And indeed, in a physical sort of way, looking at that materially, that has to give appearance as being a curse. But when you begin to realize Yes, that's important. Covenants are important. But it's the lesser of the two relationships that there's one that's even higher. That is not only our relationship with God in physical, material dimensions, as the Apostle Paul was expert at. There is the relationship that we could have with God by taking on his truest virtue and character. And that's a willingness to forgive. God gives before we do. God releases before we do. God even knows we're going to hurt him and let him down. Why? Because we are lesser. He is greater. There's none that's above God except Jesus Christ. And for us, only then Do we see Jesus at the right hand of the Father, and I'm not saying Jesus is above God, but from a material dimension, he sent his Son, which without Jesus, we would not have access to God. Why? Because we could not see how much God loves nor the requirement of sacrifice that it takes to show love In a forgiving sort of way. In order that we then might enjoy all that love is. Not only reciprocity when people should meet all the terms of the contract, the covenant, but when they don't. Now do you have to do this with the heathen? No. Do you marry everyone? No. Do you only marry those people in the church? No or that are other Christians, I should be careful, because not everyone in the church is a Christian. They may take on the name, but even as Jesus said, get away from me, I don't know you. You call yourself a Christian, but you don't do it out of your heart. If you forget your first love, it's a curse to you, because you're living and abiding by the lesser love. But when you realize that your first love is the only love that has the degree of passion that is in that same way, the way God loves us, lesser still, because it comes out of our humanity and flesh, which is in itself entirely interference. Why? Because we are constructed of material element and in material dimension. That's the human part of us. But the divine, the Holy Spirit that is resident within us is not corrupted. You love out of that, even if you don't realize it, and even sometimes against your better judgment. Hence, the oddity, the paradox that I spoke of earlier. But when we begin to understand by witnessing as we have, by reading as we have and can, and hopefully, if you haven't, will of the Old and New Testament, you begin to understand. It's all been about God forgiving and not stopping, not quitting, not giving up. If you don't pattern your marital relationship after that, then you're going to fail. Somebody is going to fail. Now, will you go to hell? No, there'll be hell if you, certainly if you've, been turned over to a reprobate mind if you seared your conscience so much that you don't care anymore. But if it's still a matter of ignorance, learn, grow, make mistakes. There's no such thing as an unpardonable sin in the name of Jesus Christ. The unpardonable comes when you don't ask for help, when you reject the message, when you reject the covenants, the definitions. You can't be saved. Why? Because you'll never get to love. What you think is love in material regard, if it doesn't include the road to Damascus experience of the Apostle Paul coming to Jesus, having the scales removed from your eyes so that you might therein see when it's all said and done, it's going to be over. But should it include that? You may look at us as all in it together. But you're not going to expect the heathen to give you anything in return. And even those that are lesser, they're not going to measure up. But there always will be God, and there always will be Jesus Christ, and there always will be the Holy Spirit who will not be removed from you as a Christian. Ever. God will always be with you as a Christian, even unto the end of the time, the earth, the world. I say the earth in the sense of what we know of it. The world in the sense of what we know of it. Time itself. The earth continues. The world will continue. But we won't. That's my point. And along the way, you'll know no comfort. Is that hell? Except through grace and mercy, benevolence, somebody who is a Christian will come along and try to salt you a bit, show you illuminate for you what real love is. They will do that out of example of Christ, though. They will do that out of, again, their understanding that you can't break that covenant. But don't expect them to continue to hang out with you if you're going to continue to abuse them. Jesus said, shake the dust off your sandals. This was Jesus speaking to his disciples. Does that mean you never help? Does that mean if they're hungry that you don't feed? Does that mean that you don't take what God has given us, you, as a Christian, us as a body, the body of Christ, and share with them? No. Does it mean you don't live by the creed or the axiom of total and complete sacrifice more than a paradigm for the human mind it is the virtue again virtue and character of god it is what the holy spirit what really royal law and forgiveness is all about learn it apply it to your life, but know that it doesn't come from you or any commitment you make. It comes from the Holy Spirit in you, thus cannot be separated from the love of God we have in Christ Jesus. And if you break covenant and you harden your heart and you walk away from the person that you promised never to walk away from, then you're doing the same thing the devil did. Satan walked away from God and because of that, He's out there continuing to manipulate the human inclination, inclination to quit. I guess it's climate in the sense that we can create it—an atmosphere, so to speak, of dissension, disobedience, rebelliousness, stiff-necked, hard-headed, hard-hearted. You can't have place with God with any of those things. But if you divorce, it's only for the hardness of your heart. Jesus said that. So the heathen will rage. They'll come against you. They'll try to kill, steal, and destroy. There is a synagogue of Satan. There is a church that is anti-Christ that will kill and crucify Christians. Do you have to give them everything? No, but they'll take everything materially from you to get what they want you to give them, which is as the devil did with Jesus when he tempted him in the wilderness. Bow down your knee to me. Serve me, not God. I'll give you all these things. One, that's a major lie because there's other people he's told that lie to, and not everybody could get everything they want. We've already said that. Myth, lie, deception, all for the sake of manipulation. But more than that, if you should fall into that pit, be careful because there's no coming out of it, especially if it's hell. And what we think of hell now, we can't begin to imagine when it gets to the bottom or as they say, or as Word says, bottomless. Hell, fire, anguish, torment, no comfort, No water, no spirit, nothing in the way of refreshment. You don't live again. You live forever, at least not materially, and also you don't get to live eternally in heaven. You'll spend your life eternally in hell. That's all you got. Yes, but you don't understand you don't know <laughs> Hopefully, you did marry a heathen. I do know that. And if you did, then you need to help her or him grow up. Well, you're growing up along the way. That's another truth. As you grow and understand your relationship with God, you got to practice it. Do it with somebody. Do it with somebody that hopefully... Has made a similar promise to you. And with that, wants to grow with you. Now you're gonna hit rough spots. Started out that with that point in mind, the conversation today with that point in mind. Yes. Will there be disagreements along the way? Yes. <laughs> may it extend for an extended, may it continue for an extended period of time? Yes, it can. Don't let it go on any longer than it has to. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. The marriage bed is undefiled. But if it has to, it will. As long as you don't quit, God has His way. And it's a good way. I am the way, the truth, and the life says Jesus. All that come unto me, you'll find life. Perfect love. When you get past, oh, you're going to take care of me and do everything I want, to the place of understanding, well, I guess I got to give back if I've taken so much to the point where you understand, well, if you give as much as I give, we'll be okay. To the point where you begin to realize, uh oh, we're in a place and a time where you're not gonna be able to take care of me, you're not gonna be able to give, so I'm gonna have to forgive. To the place where you begin to understand it's all about forgiving. You move from material dimension into the spiritual, from material need into the spiritual need, from what seemed to be the most important stuff at the beginning. When you really did make the promise of forever, at least as long as forever is in a material way for us, because Jesus does said that say that too. In that same way, you're no longer be held by covenant when you get to heaven. That's why you're not married in heaven, not because you change your relationship with your spouse or that you're not together forever. What happens is there's no need for a covenant. <laughs> why? Because one, you're all God. And in that, maybe, should be all spirit first, and then one all God, or all God, and then that spirit. You don't need a covenant. There's no interference. There's no human dimension. There's no material dimension. There's no material need. But as you move from selfishness into reciprocity and from eros to philia, which is really as the Greeks called it, that would be then reciprocity to what I mentioned earlier earlier as agape love, the unconditional perfect love of God, you begin to realize, wait a minute, even as the scales fall off your eyes, wait a minute, even as Jesus meets you on the road to Damascus, wait a minute, I thought I knew about relationships. Now I see it in the divine sense, where God really started out. He just had to take me through myself, my humanity, my willingness to learn to sacrifice, to forgive as he does for the sake of the greater glory of unconditional love. He's just had to help me along the way because he knew I couldn't do it overnight. So what that basically means is that even as much you don't have to stay with an unbeliever if you want to depart, you can. Apostle Paul says that too. But it's on you. It's on you if you're the believer to remain. It's on the unbeliever if they depart because, in departing, they've thrown it all away. Not that, again, God can't forgive, not that they're a hopeless cause, but you'll have to overcome that hurdle. And really, that's the message. When you make a covenant promise, it's for the flesh. It's not for the hereafter. But until you get to the place of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're not going to understand it. You're not going to understand it in spiritual terms. You're not going to see the implications for life eternal. And really, you're not going to be adaptive. You're not going to make the change, the modification. When the Apostle Paul was speaking to the church at Corinth, he was speaking to heathens. Maybe not entirely. But that was why he was speaking. He was teaching. He was backfilling with the word of God. They didn't understand the covenant. How could they understand what really all that about grace and mercy was, though that that's enough to be saved? To live To example Christ, to be living word, not just word, living word. The Apostle Paul knew all too well. He'd seen the beginning and the end of that in himself. And he was trying to help them to understand the definitions. Judge it now. Allow your conscience to correct it now. Let God, as with the Holy Spirit, as with your conscience, not be seared. So that you'll have correction now. Less risking at one day, at one point, one day, of having to go before God in that place of his judgment of not only your life, but your eternal life. Physical life, material life, but your eternal life. It's your choice. Do it today. Understand the basis Understand the reasons before you've done too much damage. Come to Jesus. But if you're going to come to Christ, understand what he is. He is the Christ and why he is God's only begotten son. But not so that he will remain the only son of God, but that he might then assist us by becoming us. As we marry and we too come together as one, when you marry God, you and Jesus become as one. Again, I mentioned the triune, the Trinity God. You're going to get the whole package. Not only married to God, you're married to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And you come to realize he is one. He's three for the sake of you understanding it all in your flesh. But in the end, it all comes together as one in the Holy Spirit. But if you don't understand that, it's not that you can't be saved, but you've got to be as hungry for him as the Apostle Paul was and as he encourages in his epistles all the churches that he was ministering to to seek, to understand the ways of God, to understand his virtue and character. Now, that's the purpose of what is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling, Ministry to help lay down that foundation. But presuming that as much as everyone's unique, presuming that not all as, are as mature, presuming that you're going to need translations at times, presuming that we can't judge you too quickly or too harshly, as long as there is grace and mercy, then God's given you time and in that time space to become more Christ-like. But you're only Christ-like and only saved as long as you continue to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's what we use in our Christian counseling, our specialized pastoral care services. As long as you're seeking, as long as you're wanting, as long as you're wanting, desiring, to be one with God, it's okay. The moment you quit is the moment you begin to die. Adam and Eve should have never hidden from God in the garden. It was their humanity that brought shame and guilt upon them. The devil just manipulated that. Lie upon lie. But now we can see, then through a glass darkly, now face to face, now we can see God didn't hate us. He just doesn't, can't help us. He doesn't want to. It's his will, so it has to be a choice of his that we come to him in anything lesser than the kind of passion we have for our first love. If you approach your wife in this way, your husband in this way, you never let the devil get between you and them, it's the same thing. That's what we do at Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. We take you where you are and keep bringing you into the presence of God so that he can sanctify you day by day, in that day, moment by moment. Lest you should die. And nobody wants that except the devil. Hopefully you don't. You think we can help you. I guess that's declarative. (laughs) Come see us. If it's a question, if you think we can help you, Also, come see us. Try us out. See if we can help. I always post the email address. I'd love to hear your correspondence or hear from you as with correspondence. And I'll do just that. I'll correspond with you. I'll get back with you. But until such that you would either contact me, because I don't know who you are, (laughs) or I'd contact you, or you would come see me. I just want to uh, invite you back to our next installment. The next podcast, What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry. As with that, my name is Dr. Michael David Clay. Thanks for joining us.